Good morning, Eastside family. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 10. And if you have children ages 3 through 3rd grade, this is a chance for you to take them to junior worship. There's some of you that are visiting today with kids in that age range. Let me just encourage you to um, kind of follow the crowd of parents and their kids going that direction. The rest of us take our Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 10. This Sunday coming up, I guess you'd call that next Sunday. We're going to begin our, our sign-ups for our, our life groups, and there's going to be in the foyers. That's for our upcoming life group season. I would say that our, our life groups, which are, and if you're not familiar with what I mean by that, those are our small groups of east side folks that gather together once a week or sometimes twice a month or once a month. They gather together primarily in homes, and it's just a chance to encourage one another to pray together. I would say it's one of the most important ministries in our church body that's helping us fulfill our vision of, of each member connecting and, and growing and, and serving in the church body and in the community, which is in part helping to carry out Jesus' larger mission given to us of, of each one of us becoming a disciple and, and growing as a disciple. And so since for the next three weeks, starting this coming Sunday, we're going to have sign-ups in the foyer for our life groups. We just thought it would be important to take a Sunday and, and talk to you about the value and the importance of the life groups, primarily for the purpose to encourage you to say, hey, that's, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to be a part of. Or, or maybe even to say, you know what, I think I want to start a life group. I, don't want to, I want to be a leader in a group. And so what we're going to do this morning is I'm going to start us out, and I'm going to, I'm going to build a, a biblical foundation for our small group ministry. And then I've got my amen group back here. And they're going to, with their assistance, they're going to help share with us their experiences in their life groups to help us understand how these words in Scripture and these truths about community in, in, in the church body, how that's really real and how that's really being lived out. And so, you might be thinking, well, I thought it said in the bulletin we're doing Leviticus. Well, we really are. We're not really taking a, a detour completely from our series in Leviticus this summer. But this is what I decided to do is I wanted to take the book of Leviticus and, and let that serve as something like a springboard into, into our, our, our discussion and our talk about our life groups this morning to understand and to see how what we're looking at in Leviticus or to understand being involved in a life group and participating in that, that's a way of, of living out these truths in Leviticus. And you might be saying, you mean the book of Leviticus even talks about life groups? You're going to see next week, I don't think there's anything that the book of Leviticus doesn't talk about in extreme detail. And I would say, yes, the book of Leviticus does talk about small groups, but it doesn't call them life groups. It calls them, and you'll notice this in, in, in the book, it's called sacred assemblies. You remember how Ryan and I were sharing, we were talking about um, one of our lessons is a couple of weeks ago about, about the rituals and the sacrificial rituals in the Old Testament in Leviticus and the sacrificial feast and, and holidays. And we talked about how God instructed his people there to come together regularly for regularly scheduled times of his people gathering together. And you'll notice almost every time in chapters 23, 24, and 25, he calls, and I love this terminology, he calls them sacred assemblies. He speaks of coming together for, for the Sabbath, 
on a regular basis. He speaks of the, the feast of the Passover and the feast of unleavened bread, the feast of first fruits, the feast of weeks, the feast of trumpets, the day of atonement, the feast of tabernacles, the Sabbath year, and the year of Jubilee. These were all sacred assemblies, and it's important to understand it's not God's way of saying, let's get together and have a big party or have a potluck. God had a reason for these, for these incredibly sacred assemblies. There were two primary reasons. First of all, and it's very true for us, in the busyness of, of the people's lives in Israel, in all the things that are going on, you can so quickly lose sight of, of what's really important, of God and who he is and what he's done. And so God brings his people back, these regularly scheduled events, these gatherings, to never lose sight of him. But it was more than just not losing sight of him, but God wanted his people never to lose sight of one another, never to lose sight of the, the community of God's people. It's clear in Leviticus, very clear. As we looked at a couple of weeks ago, it is of utmost importance to God that God's people not be islands to themselves, but they come together in gathered community. But what's really important to understand, it's not that he wants us to come together and go through a ritual service, do a few acts of... of, of um, religious activity, check it off, and, and we've accomplished God's goal. No, there's something much greater that God has in mind when he speaks of sacred assemblies. And so you see this as we go, and, and did I mention to you, take your Bible to Hebrews 10. You see this as, as you go into Hebrews chapter 10. It's quite fascinating. We looked at it for two weeks in a row in this chapter where we were looking at the, the um, sacrificial rituals and the sacrificial, the priesthood in the Old Testament. And we were seeing how in Hebrews chapter 10, how Jesus is a, is a fulfillment of those rituals. Jesus is a fulfillment of those sacrifices. Jesus is a fulfillment, we saw last week, of the Old Testament priesthood. We are a living fulfillment of the Old Testament priesthood. And what's interesting, right there in, in Hebrews chapter 10, is this saying, is showing us, this is all that God was trying to get across. This was his purpose. This is what he was trying to accomplish. In the middle of all this stuff about the priest and the rituals, he gives us these two verses that talk about the importance of us gathering together, just like it was important in the days of Leviticus. It's in Hebrews chapter 10 and verses 24 and 25. He says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, and let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. To these, to these people, the recipients of Hebrews, and it's the same for us, in all of the chaos and the busyness of their lives, and for them specifically, and I think it relates to us, in all of the, the pressure and the hardship and the trials they were going through, you can get tired, you can get weary, you can be tempted to give up. And one of the keys to combat that, he says, oh, whatever you do, don't neglect coming together. But not just coming together, but he says for two purposes. He says in verse 24, he says to spur one another on. And I love the word picture that the English translation gives you. You kind of like have a picture of a person who's, who's like a horse, and the horse has been going after it, and the horse is getting tired. The horse is slowing down. The horse is getting weary. And someone comes to that horse, and that just kind of spurs them on. And that's kind of a harsh picture, but that's the word in its original language that's intended to mean. It means to kind of to provoke someone. It means to irritate someone. It means to not leave someone alone who's weary, who's discouraged, 
and who's backing away. That's verse 24. Verse 25, he says, we're told to, to encourage one another. And that word literally means, in its, in its literal sense of the original language, called to one side. We're called not just to sit next to each other in assembly, but to truly come together next to one another. And I love, and, and we, as you know, many of you do, we served for many years in the Czech Republic. The, the Czech language has for the word encourage at its root word in the, in the verbal spoken Czech, it has, it, it means in its root sense to, to wake someone up. To wake someone up. That's why we come. We come here to wake someone up. So when, you, when Eddie's preaching and you see someone start falling asleep, your objective is to wake them up. And in, and in Czech sign language, I'll have to step away from the microphone. In the, in the Czech sign language, we, we work with the, the hearing impaired. I've got a teacher's voice too. We worked with the teacher. We work with the hearing impaired. And we have to learn Czech sign language. And the Czech sign for encourage is this. And I asked her, oh, I said, what in the world are you talking about? What does this mean? And she says, it means to encourage. Well, what does this mean to encourage? She says, because you go up to somebody and you're doing this like to them. You're not just waking somebody up, but you're shaking somebody up. That's why we come together here in the assembly. And so it's in Leviticus, but it's true in the New Testament church that God wants us to participate in and not just randomly coming together, but there was, these were commands of God, regularly scheduled events and assemblies to focus on him and to focus on one another. And while we want this right here to accomplish that, the sad reality is you can come here, go through a religious service and leave, but never live out the reality of what God intends for a sacred assembly. That's why we have our small group ministry. That's why we have life groups. And that's what I want these guys to help me make a point with today. For the remainder of our time, I, I want to allow our group who is here to just to share with us their experiences in their life groups. I'm going to ask them questions. They're going to answer. And they're kind of nervous. Some of them are. Um, and we're just going to celebrate and say, praise God. Praise God for all that he has done in this church through our life group ministry. And I really want them. And I prayed for each one of you this morning that the Holy Spirit would say something through each one of them to inspire you to say, man, that's what I want to do. I want to be a part of the church community in the small group ministry. So we have two microphones up here. We were supposed to have, yeah, we're having some microphone issues. We got one, and we're going to get another one. And what they're going to do is they're going to pass around. You notice he gave it to Minnie first. I said to Minnie, I said, here's the questions I'm going to be asking. She says, I don't need those questions. I'm going impromptu, Eddie. <laughs> so she's my wild card today with emphasis on wild. <laughs> I want to start out, guys, and, and I would love it. And I told them, you don't all have to answer the question, but if we could go through this one, that's great. But we don't have to go one after the other. You're just going to pass the microphone around. You got some folks sitting out here, and, and um, they're thinking, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to sign up for a life group. I don't know if I'm going to participate or not. Why did you say, that's it? That's what I want to do. What motivated you to sign up? It's your turn to talk. So you got the mic? Go ahead, Doug. Um, I love my uh, life groups because, in fact, me and my wife, we joined two because we were for I call them life group junkies. We That's why I brought them up there. They got, they got two, they're in two groups. Yeah, it just reminded me of what we call zone meetings, where I came from. We sponsored a lot of the zone meetings where everybody came over to the house and we 
fellowship with each other. And uh, I loved uh, that fellowship because when I first came into the church, my I will help one another. And You know, in the so let me let my wife. I, I, I knew she was going to freeze on me. I knew it. <laughs> a lot of ex wow, a lot of experience uh, feeling alone in church. Um, especially being single, sometimes it feels pretty easy to be overlooked. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, small group was a place for me to um, build a smaller community that um, knows whether I'm here, <laughs> cares whether I'm here, um, and is available to me in a lot of different ways that um, wouldn't be possible because I'm, you know, not meeting people through young married groups or through my kids or anything else like that, so... I'll go ahead and try. Um, one of the main reasons we joined a life group is because we're, she's active duty military and we moved here and it's been a great way to get to know people and get more involved in the church. And yeah, absolutely. Um, being military, we've moved a couple, every couple of years and there is nothing uh, harder than walking into a new church and trying to find um, a church family. We've, we've been to churches, we've attended churches, um, but we've, unfortunately, sometimes it's been the checkbox of we come in, we sit down, we do the religious events, and then we leave. And we didn't want that here. Um, we, just being able to see this congregation can see that it is truly a church family. It's a church home for many people. Um, but that doesn't come just by sitting in a pew or chairs. Um, it doesn't come, that, that doesn't happen automatically. That doesn't, that doesn't even happen by placing membership. Um, it, it comes by that vulnerability. That comes by accountability. That comes by um, that relationship. And um, the way to get that, is, one way to get that is through life groups. When, when you come into church, you, you see... You see the people that, that you know, and, and they know you. Um, they hold you accountable. Um, again, like it's saying, they, they know when you're not here, um, and they call you out on it. <laughs> um, and and that's and that's it. It's if you wanna, if you're new here, if you're visiting here, um, that's the way for this to become a church family and a church home for you, is is to find a life group. Let me say something about Donald and, and Robin. I, I remember it was a year ago, two years ago, when I was back at the table and there were sign-ups and, and you came up there and I think we were meeting for the first time and I just, I was really impressed by the fact I'm totally new here, I don't know anybody, I don't know anybody and I want to be a part of this. So if you're thinking, well, I'm totally new, I don't know anybody, I don't think I can be a part of this because I don't know anybody. No, that's just the reason you do that. And some of you are looking at Donald and Robin going, who are they? I've never seen them before. If you used to sit back over on that side, maybe you've met them. But, uh, um, but I'll tell you this, their life group, they know and they, know, they, know, or they are known extremely well. That has made the difference. And another thing I want to tell you about them is when Robin was signing up for a group, I was sitting there going, well, that's like a whole bunch of 
younger couples, and um, they're not really an older couple, but they didn't fit that demographic. But I love the fact that they went to that group and they've fallen in love with it. We really want to have intergenerational groups where it's all the old people over here, all the young people over here, all the middle-aged over here, all the ones with the kids. I love the mixture. And these guys are so young at heart. They have fit incredibly well into their group. Any other reasons why you decided to join a life group in this middle group here all the way down to many? Uh, Rebecca and I were pretty similar to Robin and Donald. Um, we, I guess we moved here uh, a couple weeks before sign-up started, and so we knew that would be a really good way to get to know people and um, know people other than the people we sat around and got to know at church on Sunday mornings. Um, but also, uh, back in Nashville, where we moved from, our church and our life group at church were a really big part of our lives, so we knew that we wanted to replicate that and get into a similar situation here. very shy. Everybody knows that, don't you? <laughs> well, we appreciate you being up here in spite of being shy. <laughs> Everybody has the same answers that I do. The life group, I love people, and I know that I want to share, I want to share what God has given me. You know, say, I, I feel love, I'm in love. Then share it. I don't believe that no member can grow. I'm going to have to use your quote, grow, connect, and serve without being in a life group. I do not believe you can because the, it's the connection that we have with one another and we learn to, what to pray for, we learn what we need to, we learn what we need to do and we're doing what God wants us to do and that's it, I ain't saying nothing else. Okay, so that's... <laughs> Uh, you did a great job of kind of segueing into the next question. As I said earlier, I, I, God's vision for his church is to become disciples and grow as disciples. And our vision is connect, grow, and serve. So looking at your lives from the time you started a life group until where you are now, how can you look in your life and say, you know, I can see how my life group has played a role in my spiritual growth. What would you all say to that? How has it played a role in your? How, how has it accomplished God's vision for you in becoming more of what Jesus wants you to be? I ain't the only one got a mic. Yeah, so I guess I have several answers to that question. One is um, that for many, several years, I have not felt that God is very close to me. He's not felt like a God who is nearby. Um, and my group was focused on spiritual disciplines, and we held each other accountable to practice a lot of different disciplines from a lot of different Christian traditions. And over the course of months, um, I just started seeing God at work in ways that I hadn't seen in a long time. Um, so that was really important. And then, um, again, like feeling invisible in church, feeling like nobody knows if you're there. Uh, I did not go to church for about a decade. And um, small group is a lot of the reason that I'm here this morning, that I'm here most mornings. Um, if my small group didn't know whether or not I was going to be here or care that I was going to be here, I wouldn't be here and my spiritual life would certainly suffer. How have you grown? 
How have you grown? Anybody else want to answer that question? How can you see that's impacted your spiritual walk as a follower of Jesus? have an answer for every single question you have. All right, while Minnie's talking, the rest of you guys get ready. I just don't want to answer everyone, but (laughs) how has it impacted my life? Short story, when I came here, three months after I came here, my daughter passed away. Ah, goodness, it was just been a, uh, well, prior to that, six months prior, I had had a stroke. Then my daughter passed. Then, before that, between that, we lost everything. It's just so much stuff that's been going on. However, long story short is, coming here and getting back involved with the life group and listening to other people and, um, I'm not alone, and the things that God has taught me, the suffering and the the pain and all of the good stuff that we need to grow, I can share it. I can be free now. I've learned to be free. So some of you guys, I ain't met some of y'all yet, but I will. I'm going to meet some of y'all. But I, I, I've gained a sense of freedom to love and to be like God and to not be ashamed to talk about Christ and to, when I go out, I brag about to strangers, you need to come here. We have a group called the Life Group and we get to love you and we're going to make sure you ain't going to never be alone again. Anyway, bye. <laughs> Any others before I move on to the next question? How have you grown? How has it impacted your life in that way? Honestly, for me, it's helped me be obedient to the fact of community. Um, I am naturally an introvert. I um, would be just fine reading my Bible every morning, um, quietly sitting in the back of the church and leaving. Um, I don't feel I need community, um, but I am... I, I need it. I do need it. And, and, and I am charged to have community. And so I am so blessed when I, we're blessed when we obey. And in that, it has um, a huge blessing to be obedient to that, to, to be in a community and to be able to show love and, and be loved um, is huge. And that has absolutely helped. Okay, so this question's got four answers. And you can answer all four of them, or you can answer just one of them, okay? So, um, and it's kind of, this may be a little bit redundant. So you may, Eddie already asked that, so I'm just rewording the same thing, but hopefully not. Um, So how has being in a life group impacted one of these four areas? How has it impacted your involvement here at Eastside, not just in your group? How has it impacted your learning the Bible and applying it to your life, like being involved, applying scripture to your life, because that's really our objective is to take what happens here on Sunday mornings and talk about it in application in our groups. Or how has it, how has it helped you find support from others? How have you been spurred, as we talked about, or encouraged? 
And how has it, and Robin, you already shared this, helped you learn to open up and share your life with others. Okay, so how has being a life group impacted you and you're being involved at Eastside in connecting or applying scripture to your life, finding support from others, or learning to be more open and sharing your life with others? Grab any one of those or all that you would like. One of the things that I've noticed, um, if you, like Robin was talking about earlier, when you go to a new church, you can sit in the back and be a pew warmer. But getting involved and getting to know people in a life group, <clears throat> it helps you see when somebody's struggling. They can see when you're struggling. And, you know, it may be that they need help with a car or they need help with moving or whatever. Um, and we can actually get involved in people's lives. That's the biggest thing to me. Um, because if, I mean, I can come in here and I can sit down and I can worship and do my thing and go home. But if I don't get to know you, then I don't get to love you. And then I, you know, what does it actually mean if I don't actually get involved and get to know you? So, How has it impacted your involvement on side? You're learning scripture and practicing it, finding support from others, learning to open up. One of those four or any or all. Um, so this is about the support, and I had to write it out because I'm too nervous just to talk. Um, <laughs> so this past year, Mike and I really struggled financially, um, and we had mentioned this in Life Group, not asking for help, but just sharing our struggles. And one evening after everyone left, I went into the living room to start cleaning up, and a member had left a check just to help us out. Um, it meant so much that she would think to do that. And then fast forward a couple months, and our situation hadn't improved, and a couple life group members had reached out to some church people and secretly collected money for us to help us get by for that month. And it meant so much that they would think of us and were willing to do that. And it was very humbling and reminded us what a supportive group that we have. And we may have never known your need if it weren't for your group. And that's, you read Acts 2, 42, and God says, this is what I'm looking for with church, 4, 3, 42, 47. That's it. This is it. Anybody else want to grab that question? How has it impacted your involvement east side? You're learning the Bible and applying it, finding support from others, or learning to open up and share your life? Well, it's involved. I, I, I can talk with people I've come to know. I can talk. We talk about a lot of things. And I learned about there's so many smart people here, teachers and professors, very, very op open people that I never would have learned that just doing the normal, come to sit down in service, listen to you, but now we, we haven't. I'm not talking about you, I'm talking oh, about I'm Eddie. Talking about Eddie. Oh. I <laughs> get off of it. Um, Obviously I didn't coach these answers. No, um, <laughs> but um, I, I learned Bryce is so talented and um, Lowell is so smart. He's a, physics of oh, something of the professor. <laughs> but, uh, and Ted, we spent a lot of time with Ted and Jackie. They helped us through uh, when my daughter passed. And every time she says that, I'm just a big teddy bear. I well up inside and feel sorrow for my daughter. But she's gone on, so she's in a better place than we are. That's one of the things that I learned from my mentor. He said, the thing is, when people pass away, we're the selfish ones. We want them to stay here. 
mm-hmm. but they've gone on to a better place. And did you notice he's calling people by their first names? He knows them. Mm-hmm. He knows them. So Rebecca kind of started this. Any stories? Man, here, here's just one story. We, we don't have much time. I was looking at the clock. Any stories that kind of, this is it. This is something that happened in my life group that is really cool. Jane You've got one. You wrote, we changed my toilets. I'm quite interested about that. Yeah. Um, I bought my first house when I moved here. It was pretty exciting. Um, My toilets had not been replaced since 1979. Um, So Sean and Christy White took me um, to Costco, and we picked out a couple of toilets. And we took the old toilets, both of them, out of my house and carried them to the dumpsters. And Sean installed the new ones for me. And now if you come to my house, there are working toilets and we're not worried about it. And it's really great. And yeah, without a, without a small group, I would not have known who to even start asking for help with that. So um, it's very, very it's, practical, right? It's kind of a, a <laughs> gross thing to ask people to help with. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, Micah and Rebecca are leaders, and I wanted them just to share with us a little bit. We need more people to say, I'll take on a life group. I'll be a leader. And you guys said, I'll do that. Tell us a little bit about why you decided to become a leader, a little bit of the history of that. Um, Um, So, when it was time for signups last year, we had just moved to town recently, um, but we knew we wanted to be at Eastside. Uh, so we went out and we were looking at the signups and we saw a lot of great groups, um, but there wasn't one like specifically for young people. Um, so we had just mentioned to a few people that we would be willing to lead one if there is any interest. Um, and then Jordan and Sarah Gwynn came up to us and um, we kind of talked and they, we decided that we would host it if they would lead it. Um, so that worked out really well and it kind of played to our strengths. Um, we don't have a big house. It's actually pretty small, but I love hosting, and we all manage to squeeze into our little tiny living room each week. So, so Mike and Rebecca are like, blow all your excuses away. Well, we don't have much of a house. They don't. <laughs> it's small, and it's working. Well, I'm kind of shy and introverted. Micah is, and he masterfully, le- actually, it's this loud-spoken people like me, they're the worst life group leaders because they talk all the time. You need people like Micah who's, who's shyer and quieter that helps everybody else join in. Um, I'm kind of new here. They were. like They were just here and they said, well, we don't see a life group that really fits us. Well, if you don't, don't say, well, too bad. Maybe it's not where you live or it's not your Democrat. Then then start one, and we'll help train you in that. Okay, so we have to close the sale. we gotta, we got to finish this right here. we got some people teetering on the, I don't know, I'm going to join or not. I just want to go all the way down the row. However, what's the main thing you would say in one sentence, or if you want more than one, to encourage people, hey, you, you, you need to do this. Go. Do it. <laughs> What did Try you say? it. Do it. Do just it, do right. it. Try it out. Um, don't go just once either. Try it a couple times. It takes a little bit to um, get a little bit more comfortable and be able to fully experience um, the magic of what happens. Even if you're older, you can join a young. That's lover. right. <laughs> um, I'll talk about a little about uh, why I should lead if you're on the fence. Eddie might ask that, so I'll just go ahead and. Whoops, go ahead. Jump in on that. Um, 
like he said, uh, I'm pretty quiet and not very outgoing. Um, and we have a small house. Um, if everybody's there, there are people sitting on the floor. and So they might not want you to lead if you have a small house. But um, So I guess there's really no excuses. Um, like Rebecca said, we kind of teamed up with Jordan and Sarah. Um, so if you know of somebody else who might uh, be able to uh, cover up your shortcomings, um, something you're not so good at, um, there's probably somebody else in the church that is thinking the same thing. And you guys would make a great compliment to each other. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I would say that if church has been somewhere that's been kind of hard for you, if you haven't always felt like you belong there, um, don't even know if people notice if you're there, um, small group is a great place to start to connect with people and learn that that's not at all true, um, and, and build a smaller community that can help you connect with your larger church community. hard to say one sentence. <laughs> I believe it's God's tool to keep his people together in unity, in love, and peace. That was one sentence. I forgot. Uh, Carl, I want to thank Carl and, and Diane for that group also. Um, one word is it, it makes you grow. It actually makes you grow to learn because we found out a lot of things. We all suffer from, we have problems, basically the same type of problems, but it depends on, you know, where you're at and it helps to talk to other people about it. You guys are absolutely awesome. Thank you so much. Don't leave yet, but thank you. And they never clap when I get through preaching, so you should take that as a compliment. So Ryan and I, in our, in our series in Leviticus, it's our dream that it not be. Well, that's new information, but for you to leave going, wow, there's some ways I can practically apply this stuff in Leviticus to my life. This is the way. Starting next Sunday, we want to really encourage you to sign up. Be a part of this community. But it's not just life groups that are a sacred assembly. This is a sacred assembly. And so now our... our um, our praise team is going to replace this panel, and they're going to lead us in a, in, a, in a closing prayer song. And I want to ask you to put your spurs on and go spur someone on. I want you to get your hands ready. Go up to someone that needs a good shake. Go up to someone and stand by someone by their side that needs you to stand by their side. And if you're one of those people and you, you, don't, you, you need someone to pray for you, this is our time to be that sacred assembly and to pray together. Let's stand together and go before God in prayer. Oh, and I want to encourage Ted and Jackie, I'm sorry, to go and pray for Wesley James Monroe and his grandparents, Jonathan and Morgan and mom and dad, Joshua and Madison. Wesley James is here for the first time. Let's gather around them and pray as well. And someone else needs prayer. Um, let's respond to our shepherds as they make themselves available. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the senior minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs every Sunday at 1040 a.m. 
as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.